Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James, and uh, we are continuing on after our hiatus that we talked about in our last episode. So James, are you ready to go? Are you Corona free? <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Yeah. yeah, as far as we're aware. <laughs> Did you ever have that test done, by the way? Since this whole... No, I've not had a test. Have you? No, but I cannot imagine having that thing stuck up no, my really nose. I really want one either. I've seen a video, James, and it looks excruciatingly painful. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> No, I've not had a test. Don't want to test. Just want to be sensible. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah, for sure. You've got to be sensible. Okay, today we're in Revelation 9. And uh, James, I believe it's my turn to read. You read last time, so I'm going to jump in. And I'm going to read Revelation 9, 1 to 11. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold, Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tail. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, he is called Apollon. Wow. You think all of that, and then verse 12 says, the first one has passed, two more are still to come. So even, uh, yeah. So if we go from um, reading to the, the big question, who do you think we're talking about? A star fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit for me it's not the main point of what's going on here but who do you think it is or who would you who could it be because it's not really yeah. our opinion that matters but who could it be right of course well i mean the clues are for sure it is a person because there's a pronoun there he so it has to be it's not a thing right it's it's a person. I mean, I'm saying person loosely. It's not a human being. It's, but it's someone. It's not a thing. Uh, and then I would say that um, Satan in Isaiah is called the morning star. Like he was a beautiful creature. He was the, the most beautiful of all angels. 
And, you know, I think you've said before, James, that our imagery of Satan is this little guy with a pitchfork and mm-hmm. the ruler of hell and all of this kind of yeah. stuff. But I don't think that's the biblical description. And that's what's really frightening to me, that the biblical description is that Satan is beautiful. And so, therefore, what more of a tempter to be beautiful than one who you look at and go, oh, that's detestable. Get away from that guy. But, yeah, I would say that from my understanding of this, Satan is the, the he, just because um, of, of uh, him given temporary authority to do something. Uh, I mean, right now we know that Satan is running around the earth doing what he wants. He's, he's got authority now that God's allowed him to run around and do stuff because in Galatians 1, it says that we live in this present evil age. An evil age is not, you know, true. a removal. Yeah, true. And also in the end of Revelation that we're coming to at some point, uh, it says that he is cast into the the pit for a thousand years and so then we'll have yeah, perfect so he's peace a, he's the he's a victim there and the victim um, maybe that's not the right word he is cast there not the the ruler of there right but then it just seems like an odd thing to give somebody so despicable the keys and the authority but like you just said there's a biblical pattern for that like we were talking about job he's given temporary uh yeah authority or allowance to do yeah man i don't know maybe yeah i just thought for somebody so bad given the keys given the authority it's just is it is it not is it because then he's we read that he is the he, they these locust like demons have there's another question uh, have the has the king over them this this angel the angel of the bottomless pit yeah it's interesting i don't think it's the main point of what's going on right but it is interesting like you said to lay out this oh well, it could be him and in these we see that he's given periodic time slots as uh, i guess where he is seemingly in authority I think about I can't remember the particular passage when we read that uh, when the church is raptured when the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth then there's more of this going on as well right I can't remember the particular passage but this idea that right now Things are not as bad as they possibly could be because of the Holy Spirit and the, and, the, and the church's presence in the world. And when they're taken up, there'll be more of this stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe it could be then. I don't know. Yeah, I think, James, I, I would say that no matter where you fall on who you think this is, whether it be an angel, whether it be Satan, and I think you asked the question I didn't answer. I apologize. Who could this be? Well, it could be an angel. Could be, yeah. Could be Satan. Could be. But the thing is, is I would say, James, to our listeners that... There are really good, solid theologians that have earned lots of letters behind their names in the form of degrees, <laughs> and they would both say, uh, you know, one would say an angel, one would say mm. Satan. So there's there's plausibility for all the arguments, and I think that it's good not to be so sort of dogmatic on one way because you kind of miss the main point. Mm. And to me, the main point of the passage is God is in control. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, God is in control of all this whole game, this whole dynamic happening right now. The, yeah, the entire tribulation. Whoever that, whoever it is, none of this would happen if he was not given the key to the shaft, the bottomless pit, and told his five months, do your thing, do your worst, depending on who we think it is. But yeah, it wouldn't happen without being given the key. Job wouldn't have happened without him being given permission. Right. So that still jives with a sovereign God, doesn't it? Right. A good sovereign God. Okay. And when I look at this, James, I, I mean, whether it is Satan or whether it is an angel, a demon or whatever, when you look at the book of Job, the book of Job starts with this, you know, righteous man who is doing everything right, fears God, loves his family, kind of the model Christian. And then Satan said, hey, I want to go mess with this guy. Well, Satan's given temporary ability to disrupt this guy's life and a horrible, from a human perspective, from a horrible, you know, Mm. what worse? I mean, we have, we have this phrase, the patience of Job and it's all over the place. And so the thing is, why does he have patience? Cause he endured some horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know that in our churches, we have lots of people that we know that we're like, man, what a great Christian. Why did they come down with that illness? Or mm-hmm. why did they struggle with that thing? Well, I mean, we don't really know the purpose that God has, but we do know that it's God's authority that allows that to happen. Shameless plug. The next ebook that we're publishing as a church is about Job. Yeah, I know you, you've obviously read it because we did it as a series of daily devotionals and you go to our church, you're part of our church. So therefore you've obviously read it, but <laughs> Yes, yeah, so looking at through Job, uh, walking through Job, and because he asks, and his friends ask, and they all answer together some of life's biggest questions: mm. Why is this happening? Is this fair? That's good. Where's God? All this kind of stuff. So yeah, we'll be doing that, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks. Shameless plug, but I know I'm going to do it anyway. Done it anyway. Do you know James <laughs> from Job as well? From the words of Jesus directly in the New Testament. I, I love this verse, and I, I noted it here, John 9, 1 through 3. And he passed by and saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because that's immediately, you know, what did we do? Maybe we had a lack of faith. Mm. And Jesus answered, it was not the man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. Mm. So what a wonderful encouragement that we can't automatically assume when we're being influenced by the enemy, by a demon or Satan in our lives today, we're not in the tribulation, but today we still deal with this. Mm -hmm. We still deal with horrible influence in our life and Mm -hmm. tempted to do the wrong thing always. But what a wonderful thing that we can't just automatically assume like, oh, God's attacking me or Satan's attacking me and position our anger in the wrong direction. But Mm. rather we should bless God when we're persecuted and bless God when we're blessed. Mm -hmm. Right? So... You've said that a couple of times, and I've said it a couple of times. We've referred to these things as demons. Now, it says in verse 3, Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. Uh, And they were told to do some stuff for a period of time. And then in verse 7, it says, In appearance, the locusts were like, and there's lots of like, 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 and you and me have both referred to them as demons. Um, 
maybe somebody's listening to think where have you got the word demon from because I can't see the word demon here so why would why have you referred to it as sorry why have you referred to these locust like things as demons okay before I answer that question James do you remember when the locust hit this little country several months back I think it was yeah, in January yeah, January did you February? see them I did yeah uh, define did I see them I mean like visibly With outside no I saw somebody's video I think I sent you a video it was you and a mutual friend so I was in my apartment with my wife at that time and suddenly I looked outside and literally, and, and of course what was here was nothing like a typical locust thing. The sky was black. Here? Here, like really? just going right by my window. So if I were to walk outside, I would definitely have locusts in my mouth or all over my clothing. And James, I know that you're not fond of insects. I'm very not, not fond of massive, insects. Not a massive fan. So a few years ago to go back, this is totally a sidetrack, but I was walking into a restaurant with my wife and a mutual friend, and I had a locust on my leg, and it looked like massive. Yeah. And I literally just about had a nervous breakdown. And there was a guy behind me that could not stop laughing, thinking, you know, who is this poor mm. soul that can't handle a locust on his leg? <laughs> But that just goes to show you how frightened we are as mm -hmm. humans of these insects. So as you think about a swarm of locusts, I think about, I mean, that imagery, which I think John is trying to use here, because I think you've said many times, James, and this is good to remember that John is doing the best he can with his first century language to describe this craziness of this vision that he's got. I mean... What words do you use to describe this? Well, locusts obviously were common then. Mm -hmm. They're common today. There were news reports several months ago about how they've ravished the vegetation in Africa. Mm. I know in the U.S. many years ago we've had locusts. So if you just imagine a cavern being opened and bats coming out or locusts coming out, mm. if you could see with a human eye demons, I think it would be the same way. Why would I say they're demons, you asked? Mm. I believe because it doesn't say that they are locusts. It doesn't say that they are, it says they're like. Yep. So the massive amount of locusts that go by and you see them and it's just like, whoa, they're gonna attack. They're gonna eat all the vegetation. Well, that's what these things are going to do. Mm. But it's natural coming from the abyss that it would be demons. It j just makes sense to me. I don't know, what do you think, yeah, James? they've got a fallen angel. I think they deceive people as demons are portrayed in the Bible to do. They torment people and they make people want to die. And that's a demonic deception that suicide is your way out of this. And that's a very demonic deception that taking mm. your life is the answer. That's good. I don't think it ever is. And I think, again, John immersed in scripture and hanging out with Jesus and the like. If we think it's the Apostle John, if we think it's the Elder John, who was a companion and a student of the Apostle John, he's only one step, anyway. Right. Again, digress. All that to uh, say. <laughs> all that, yeah, all that to say, this guy, the John that wrote this, immersed and schooled in scripture, he would know that locusts are agents of God's judgment. Right. So he sees a swarm of something coming out to judge, and the, the 
probably the quickest and most readily available word in his mind is like like a plague of locusts and the like and then like you said there are more human than we might like to admit but then they've got wings so they're somewhat human somewhat not I think you know often when angels pay visits to people they look kind of human and people recognize them as people but then there's obviously a bit of a difference because people fall down on their face as if dead because they're so awesome and you know luminous Anyway, I'm not making a very good point here, but why do I think they're demons? They're coming out from the abyss. They're coming out to do God's judgment. They're deceiving people. They're torturing people. It all sounds very demonic, and they have as their king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, uh, Abaddon or Apollyon, which is a Greek word for the, the destroyer, and Abaddon is a destruction. So it's either an angel with a very particular job, or it's the one that we talked about at the beginning. Anyway, all of that to say, you look at what they're doing. Right. And you've got to say that it's demonic. Right. And does that make them demons? You know, James, when you were just talking and you talked about John being who he is, you know, which one he is, and you digress. Sorry, I did. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> that's great. It's it's we're gr- starting to preach through a little bit of John's gospel this Friday, so I've read around. Right. Is it John the Apostle? Is it John the Elder? Is John the Elder a disciple of John the Apostle who hung out? Ah, dear. But I think it's good to say that, it, you know, at that time and still today, people that are Jews or, you know, associated with Israel in any way know the story of Moses very well. That's a very huge, huge thing in the mind of any Jew today or anybody who is acquainted with the Bible or anybody that's watched the Prince of Egypt cartoon back, you know, in the 90s. <laughs> but it's it's a very common thing. So when you say locusts, many people who are acquainted yeah, yeah. with the Bible immediately will go, oh, yeah, that's one of the tools that God used. Mm. So to bring Pharaoh, Pharaoh, get old Pharaoh, to bring Pharaoh to repentance and to change and whatnot. Right. Which I think, I would suggest, is the goal of what's going on here. And we, we'd probably get there next week or next time in verses 20 and 21, where John says, all this stuff happened, yet people didn't repent. Right. They carried on with their, their, their godless, self-filled life. So then if you add that in, you think they're very demonic in what they're doing. There's a lot of them to come and do to exact God's judgment. John thinks, oh, that's like locusts. Locusts, Exodus, Pharaoh, were trying to get him to repent, and all this stuff kind of meshes together really yeah. well, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I explain it very well, but I think it, in my mind, it does. Maybe well, the tribulation it, yeah. in general, I mean, is about repentance. And, and we're kind of, I don't know exactly where we are in the tribulation, but we're, I mean, if you, if you just read the story of the entire Bible, you see that Israel strayed so many times. And, you know, in the Old Testament, Kings, Chronicles, there were years of devastation, drought, famine, designed to bring Israel to repentance. So mm. throughout history, God has always brought his people to repentance. And Jeremiah says, uh, I believe it's, where is it in Jeremiah chapter one? The heart is deceitfully wicked. 
who can know it? 17. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart's deceitfully mm-hmm. wicked. So I think there's a couple of fundamental takeaways for the listener and really for me because my heart is deceitfully wicked. Uh, I recognize that I'm the greatest of sinners. Uh, when we look at um, our lives, we have to remember that the spirit world is real. We come from, you and me, rationalistic cultures, especially the anti-God, you know, today, like, oh, this is all a myth, a fairy tale. You guys are so silly that you believe in those little childlike things. There's no such thing as a spirit world. No, there's a spirit world. And it's interesting to me that when you travel the world and go to third world cultures who don't have this rationalistic, incredible education, they more readily, they may not be believers in Jesus, but they more readily recognize the intensity of the spirit world and do all sorts of things to kind of get it away from them and you know, get the bad spirits mm, away and the good spirits. I was listening to something this week, and it was an N.T. Wright podcast, and he was talking about it is a modern Western f- phenomena that the natural world and the supernatural world are very, very separate and distinct. Right. And that actually, if you go back not too long, it was widely accepted. I think, it, I think he was talking about like the Enlightenment period where, you know, we can just think our way past or something, something like that. And he was saying that, you know, the natural world, the supernatural world frequently overlap and what we cannot explain and people of yesteryear would be much more ready to attribute something, oh, well, that was an extraordinary work of God. Like he's at work in our day-to-day anyway, natural and supernatural kind of mixed. But then there was this period in in Western history where kind of moved away from this thing this idea that the natural, the supernatural do are meshed together and it's one big creation and thing. And then that ties in with N.T. Wright's, one of his big ideas that new creation is going to be a renewal and a revival of, of everything where God lives with his creation. Again, it's not this distinct new, you know, uh, completely separate, completely new. It's a renewal of how things were always meant to be where the natural and the supernatural dwell together. And peace. Yeah. Sorry, we're kind of miles off track. No, no, no. That, that's, that's good. And, and I would say, James, that it is an encouragement to anyone listening to this, as well as myself or you, that we live in a world that if we had special little goggles we could put on and see the supernatural world, I think, number one, we'd be incredibly frightened by the demons that are all around us. Well, you look at... <laughs> these things and they're like horses prepared for battle and they've got something that looks like a crown on their head they've got a face that kind of looks like you and me and a human yet they've got this woman's hair we think it's typically kind of long and flowing typically not always uh they've got uh, teeth like lion's teeth they've got big breastplates of iron they've got wings that they're not yeah and they've got something so like if we could see, that. could see that you could see that it'd be petrifying And opposite is true that if you could see angels, like Mm. I firmly believe in my life, I've been saved by angels countless times from horrible car accidents to grand mistakes that I make. I believe that we all have angels around us. And it's interesting, Ephesians, the first chapter says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So in a legal sense, to seal something is to set it aside and say, you know, you have to have special permission to get access to this. It's been sealed. Mm. So I believe in the same way we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter one, I believe it's verse third, where is it? 13. Yeah. one thirteen. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So if we could really see with special goggles, 
the fact that we've been sealed and that demons can only do so much to us because of our seal, I believe it could really increase our faith in God and radically change our Christian life to understand who we are in Christ. This, this salvation thing, this believing in Jesus, this following Jesus thing we do, James, is not a casual thing. Mm-hmm. A massive transaction has taken place for our soul, and once we understand the weight of that, it can radically change how we live our everyday life. Mm. Yeah, while you were talking about I was thinking about the passage in Hebrews chapter 1 where we talk about whoever wrote or delivered Hebrews as a sermon says, are they, angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Hmm. So if you were given those supernatural goggles and you would see these angels helping followers of Jesus, it would be something. But just like we trust, just like we trust the chair that we sat in, yeah. we should also trust the fact that God's word mm-hmm. is unchanging and it makes promises, claims things for us mm-hmm. as believers. And we have to live with that in mind. And like you said, that's not a casual thing. That's not right. a half-hearted thing. You're sealed. You've got these ministering spirits sent out to help. And it's all, it's a massive deal. It's not like a, just a box to tick and carry on doing your own thing, is it? It's right. A, I'm a little Christian. I'm yeah, going to go to church. Big thing. Listen to my Christian music, and yeah, we're, yeah. you know, all jolly. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a little bit more in depth. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a um, whole life, heart, mind, soul, strength. Like it's an everything response, and it's not a. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess. Try it. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, James, do you have other uh, comments or thoughts on this today? No, I think I've rambled on a few <laughs> tangents this morning, but no. No, this is good. Interesting that you think, who could it be? Uh, are they demons? Are they not? And the big thing I would, like we've talked about, is why Why is this happening? Why is this all stuff going on? Why is all that stuff going on? To bring people to repentance and to... Right. You see, it like I'm reading Ezekiel at the moment in the morning, and it's all the same. I did this so that you will know I am the Lord your God. And you think, how many times do people need telling? Yeah. But... Yeah, same for you and same for me. That's so. great. I love <laughs> yeah. Ezekiel. Chariots of fire coming out of Iraq. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe we so he, went out in the, he went out in the morning in the desert plain, had the vision, the chariot. Maybe we can immerse through Ezekiel after, if we ever get through with Yeah, revelation. if we ever get the revelation. Have to pick another book to immerse through. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, hey, I want to remind all the listeners that if you hear something that has captured your interest or you want to help us in our podcast... Please like, subscribe, give us some great comments and help promote this podcast so that it gets out to more people and becomes a greater influence. I've just had a massive brainwave. What's that? This might be good. This might be bad. And if it's bad, you can edit it out. But I think we've got a small but committed core of listeners in various different places all around the world. Right. So why don't we start an Instagram page for it or a group to discuss this so Great. if you are listening and you want to talk to other people in different parts of the world because no doubt different parts of the world means different culture and context and therefore you might read revelation differently yes to how we're doing it so if you want to do that you can send either keith or me a message and why don't when we publish this why don't we put some details in the notes about how people can get in touch with you and or me that's good that's great james great brain <laughs> sometimes they're not good but, so uh, we'll we'll leave that we'll we'll put that in as a uh, challenge to everyone and uh, perhaps in the next couple of episodes we can talk about how that comes together and great brainstorm James. Yes.
If James has had enough coffee in the morning, his mind works great. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) We'll have a great uh, week, and we'll see you next time on the Immerse Podcast.